This episode is brought to you by The Skeptical Buddha, The Tao of Science. My book, which is a thoughtful discourse on Eastern philosophy and how it helped birth ideas required for science and skepticism and the way it fell behind in the face of new evidence. This book discusses the long history of both philosophies as well as the tenets and variations within the varying sects along with psychology and our own natural biases. It discusses how to counter our natural biases using science and the underlying concepts of meditation and mindfulness, a more complex understanding of how science operates than most of the public understands, and why it is the best tool we have to discover truth and reality, as well as philosophical ideas we might embrace as technology progresses. The material is packaged in a way that the average person can understand with rich illustrations to draw the reader in and feel at peace. Ever meet someone who claims to love a culture, let's say Japan, and thinks they know everything about it, when all they really like is some small aspect of it, like anime? It's like that Cyanide and Happiness comic where someone claims to love science and the other points out that the person actually knows very little about science, especially the boring parts. They just love checking out science's ass. For nearly half a decade, I've had issues trying to figure out the mechanisms my anarchist internet friends planned on using to create the revolution, what anarchism even was, and how it was planned to get rid of and replace the evil government. One thing I've found about anarchists is they are bad, I mean really bad at explaining themselves. The further right you go, the simpler the idea gets because it's a complete grift. They're all salesmen. The further left you go, the absolute worse they get at explaining anything, and they always come back with, well, the current system is worse, often never explaining why they think it's worse, and if their plan is actually mechanistically doable. Just because a system is bad and heavily flawed doesn't mean yours is any better. It may suck worse. Anyway, someone finally told me to do my own research and recommended I read Anarcho-Syndicalism by Rudolf Rocker. I did so using LibriVox. I did a breakdown of it on this very channel. In fact, it was one of the first I put up as a podcast. The thing that hit me so hard was just how impressive and organized and coordinated the anarchist army and liberation zone was in Catalonia. Compare them to modern anarchs, and they are like night and day, disorganized and appear to not actually think that spreading ideas one-on-one is that important compared to some vague idea of direct action, whatever the hell that is. There is a reason why for the last 50 years or so, anarchs are just viewed as people too lazy to vote. In the U.S., most of us had it stripped from our knowledge that they even existed, and I didn't know they had such a long, nearly 200-year history until a few years ago and helped us get most of our progressive things, including unions. Internet anarchs, especially Twitter, often refuse to vote, and so you ask them what they're going to do in place of that and what is their game plan to make the revolution happen or fix a certain issue, and they don't feel like they have to justify what they're doing or what game plan they should have because every situation is completely different. They ensure they never have to explain anything because it's up to the individuals to decide and not even bother to at least brainstorm some ideas themselves. They sit in judgment on you for daring to vote, but also refuse to explain anything they believe in. If you dare say the wrong thing, or you admit you have liberal sympathies, or you vote, you suddenly become scum to them, and the conversation is over. Over the past few years, thankfully, other anarchs have come out who actually realize that you need to change minds to change the reality around you, and people like Thought Slime and St. Andrewism continue to point out that anarchists are almost always former people of other ideologies because they're such a tiny minority, so have some patience and be ready to actually teach them. 
Yet so many of them on, say, Twitter just assume everyone knows and you're just a piece of crap eslib who believes in liberalism in spite of knowing what they know, even though pretty much most of us don't. The only reason why I know as much as I do is because I dig for it, and I dug hard for this, and I still am not 100% sure I understand anarchism. I suddenly realized the other day, thanks to St. Andrewism especially, and looking up things about community, I suddenly realized the other day that they are just checking out anarchism's ass, and pretty much everyone in an anarchist society would absolutely hate them if they moved there, and it suddenly made sense as to why anarchism sounded like a terrible idea, especially with them in it. The reason for this is neoliberalism. One of the things neoliberalism did, as cynical historian discussed, is turn our very minds into atomized individuality. This ensures we buy one of everything and don't have the first clue as to how to organize, which is perfect for those in power, and why we're so ineffectual at change, though we have had change occur faster this decade than we did for probably that half-century prior thanks to the collectivization on the internet. The reason anarchism's mechanism escaped both me and most internet anarchs is because it's a complete interpersonal cultural shift that is foreign to both of us. To be an actual anarch requires coordination, community, and cohesion. If an anarch went to an actual anarchistic nation, if one existed, they would be in for a huge smack in the face from reality and a massive culture shock, especially just the attitudes of people in it and the amount of calm, collective, humble work that goes into it. Egos cannot get in the way. You have to clearly state your case without attaching it to your identity so you aren't biased and listen to other people's cases and weigh the subtle nuances and differences and you have to assume you don't know everything, which is exactly the opposite of so many internet anarchs. After listening to St. Andrewism and then putting the research I did into the video on what a real social media site would look like, I began to realize, especially as someone on the spectrum, why I was having such issues grasping stuff about community and anarchism. Because I'm literally trying to learn another language and culture that pretty much doesn't exist in the Western world, except for the vague ideas on the internet. It's like trying to reconstruct a lost language and culture. Because most anarchs I know are still neoliberals checking out anarchism's ass. They love the nation of anarchism and think they know everything about it, but since the past is a foreign nation, they would feel so alien in an actual anarchistic nation. Why do I know this? Because information on how to have a functioning local community is out there, and it requires harnessing certain traits and learning how to not only be okay with differing opinions, but also being brought together and closer talking about them. It requires a sense of childlike learning, but also humility that maybe you don't know everything. Co-housing is a concept of a planned community, where people organize shared spaces, meet for a few communal meals a week. Everyone looks out for everyone else, and people pool many of their resources, like a lawnmower or skills together, so everyone doesn't need to own one of everything. It's not for everyone, and sadly, it most often is limited to people already with means to be part of it, so if not done right, it can be pretty segregated or melt down very quickly. I know all my life I thought the idea of communes or something like co-housing and got chills thinking of having to deal with and work with these people without a lot of space to myself. It sounded like utter hell. This is especially true as someone on the spectrum. The reason for this is this requires often long-lost skills that the neoliberal mindset stripped of us because the pre-packaged solutions to needs it filled destroyed our ability to do so. 
Every community I've tried to be part of is opposite to this, and I always wondered why I felt like an outcast. The only reason the anarchist regions worked is because they still had community roots and the skills needed to work together cohesively. Co-housing's biggest hurdle, aside from money, is the mindset a person must have going into it. Many come in with a fantasy of what it is and then are hit with a splash of cold water. It's why there are classes and education on co-housing, and it won't work for everyone. To be good at collaborative decision-making, as listed by the links below according to researchers on the topic of living together, one must have communication skills, patience and flexibility, humility, discernment, or the ability to look at the pros and cons of every situation and realize there is never a perfect way. There are often several different ideas that might work, but may have downsides everyone will have to agree to live with. This requires understanding nuance. Resilience, which is the ability to recover emotionally from a conflict and not let it impact your interactions in the society. In other words, don't take everything so goddamn personally if you disagree with someone. If you've made your beliefs part of your identity, you will always view it as an attack and you will always be biased against anything else. Collaboration, or the ability to listen and weigh all sides and give opinions and preferences and work together, sometimes giving up what you want for the sake of the group. Curiosity, so you genuinely want to listen to others' ideas, compassion and empathy, and humor. If you tout the Rojavas as a better system, they use these systems. Neoliberalism never took these skills from them. If you tout the Catalonians or the Machnavists as great heroes, it's only because they had these skills as people used to, and were steeped in collective community because that's how things were. If you couldn't live in co-housing and can't do any of these things, you are a neoliberal anarchist and an oxymoron, and that is why anarchism has never gotten anywhere, especially in the U.S., because it's full of atomized individualist people who are just checking out anarchism's ass. Instead of idealizing how much better anarchism is, you have to be prepared for the downsides, which will make you much better at achieving your goals. Other than a few people I know, most Twitter anarchists I see are the polar opposite of this. Vindictive, spiteful, take everything as a personal attack, refuse to listen with an open mind, or have the patience to explain their ideas to you with compassion, counter with terrible arguments, and seem to just have excuses for doing nothing. If you want to be an anarch, there are co-housing classes you can take if you don't get it and aren't good at working with other people. And if you're an unengaged anarch who isn't active and collaborating, then shut up about the evils of voting. You're just a neolib anarch cosplayer who doesn't actually like an anarchist society. You like anime. There must be a revolution of culture before there can ever be a political revolution that could actually function without crashing and burning. I'm going to slowly work toward understanding this community mindset myself, as community will be what we need to survive climate change and to organize politically. It is literally learning a new foreign language, and I've essentially got a learning disability because I'm on the spectrum. If I get to a point where I understand it well enough, I might even decide that anarchism is the best system and actually can work. But until then, I stand by my videos saying that I'm a 100% philosophical anarch, but only like an 80% political anarch. Until we have a cultural overhaul and a social transformation and paradigm shift, anarchism will continue to be a laughable idea that will continue to languish in the dustbin of history viewed as a failed concept. So as always, thank you all for watching this as a video or listening to this as a podcast, which I'm sure was completely uncontroversial to anyone, especially to the YouTube monetization team. So if you found this useful, please donate to my Patreon.
Just a reminder that I'm Anubis2814 on YouTube, and I have almost 700 videos on my channel that I've made over the past 11 years on religion, science, psychology, and politics. Please go check them out, and if your site has the option, like, rate, review, and comment. A special thanks goes out to Kendall Copperberg, Mylon Mia, Ogrel, Elias Garcia Guevara, and Joe Taylor for their $10 or more Wapawet level donations. I'm always humbled by the fact that they find my work worth funding and worth driving me forward. Thank you all. Please consider donating to my work if you can, and thank you all for listening.